Life moves on. So why shouldn't we? This is Michelle Dempsey-Moltak, your host of Moms Moving On, navigating divorce, co-parenting, single motherhood, and moving on. We're back with another Moms Moving On. I'm your host, Michelle, and I'm so happy to be back today because we are touching on something that I personally struggled with so much towards the end of my first marriage and throughout my separation process, and frankly, throughout the co-parenting process too. We're going to be talking about anxiety. There is no anxiety quite like the one that comes and hits you Uh, about the unknown of what your life will be like when you are going to be moving on. So I think this is a very fitting topic. And we're talking to possibly the best person ever to speak to about anxiety. Her name is Dr. Eileen Cohen. She is a psychotherapist. She's an author who's about to release her third book. Um, She has taught me so much about the art of being mindful and letting go and just focusing on yourself to quiet out the noise. And she's also a mom, which is probably one of my favorite parts about her. Our little girls are friends and watching her grow her career while she's growing her family has been very, very unique and special. So I'm really pleased to welcome her, Eileen. Dr. Eileen, thank you for being here. Well, thanks for having me. That was a very nice intro. Um, well, it's it's all true. And as you know, um, there's so much I feel that you bring to the table, but why don't you share a little bit about your trajectory and what sparked the first book in particular? Well, so I'm a psychotherapist and I studied specifically marriage and family therapy, but I always loved to write and I always knew I wanted to write a book. And I thought, what better than to write a self-help book? Um, My first one's on people-pleasing and how to overcome that. And it was something that I personally struggled with for many years. And it was something that I focused on with my clients that I was working with. So I thought, okay, why not write a book and reach more people about what I found was helpful for me and my clients and also what the latest research and theories would say on what would be helpful. So um, I brought that you know, put that book out. I've been blogging for a few years and then I wrote another book and now I have another one coming out on anxiety. It just, um, it just feels natural to me to write. So that's really what I'm focusing on right now. And in your practice, what types of patients are you working with? Do you have a, a focus or something you enjoy working with the most? So I do work a lot with people that identify as people pleasers, approval seekers. Most people come in, you know, feeling burnt out, overwhelmed, anxious, not really knowing why. And even though I see a lot more individuals, I am a marriage and family therapist. So I don't only, though, talk to them about themselves. I bring in the whole family system. They don't have to physically be there, but I'm always talking about their family you know, the history there and bringing that into the therapy session. That's amazing. And I think it's funny because one of the things I struggled the most with when I was coming to the end of my marriage was the fact that, yes, I am in fact a people pleaser. And when you've lived your whole life, making sure everyone around you was happy and never rocking the boat. And now you're about to rock, you know, the Titanic. It's, it's a very, very shocking feeling and it's completely unsettling. I mean, I'll tell you that I spent more nights awake wondering how I could even rock someone else's boat in that way more than I thought about my own. And what would you say to, you know, somebody who is 
about to make the biggest move of their lives coming out of a marriage or a relationship, what would you say to that? Yeah, that would be very difficult. You're going to be more focused on what other people are going to think, what your family's going to think, what your friend's going to think, the community, even your spouse or whoever you're in relation with, you know, worried more about their feelings than yours um, when it comes to the relationship. So I would say that this is, it would make you anxious and it will be tough, but try to um, focus more on yourself and what it is that you want and what you think is best for your future, which inevitably will be also what's best for everyone else. Um, But I think pleasers rather and sometimes be stuck in something they're not necessarily happy with than to rock the boat or to make changes that might affect how people perceive them. Right. And, and, you know, it is difficult to, cause you're going to be perceived in ways that are either that feel unfair or that aren't true. And, you know, I remember leaving my marriage and bumping into a friend of my mom's at the coffee shop and she was like, Oh, I'm so sorry. And I was like, why? I'm fine. And that moment reverberated through town, like, oh my God, she wasn't even upset. And I, and I, you know, gave her my apologies and all of a sudden I was a bad person. And that was like the first wave of, oh my God, there's, you know, going to be so much backlash here, even though I finally grabbed life by the balls, for lack of a better term, and did what was best for me. And it was so hard to deal with. And so consuming, even though I had like much bigger fish to fry. What are some strategies that you can give to somebody who's just really focused on what everybody else is going to think or say? Because I'll tell you, I do get a lot of questions from women who are like, but what are people going to think? <laughs> Which is, you know, it's hard. And we are, we're, we're taught to always put that, you know, before what we think, you know, what other people think. And we internalize that and right. we take it to be the truth. I see that a lot with people that don't have like a solid sense of self, a solid knowledge of who they are and what's best for them. And they get really kind of wishy-washy or their opinions or their thoughts. You might think, okay, this was the best for me to leave this marriage and the best for my family. But then you bump into your mom's friend or you're supposed to be upset or you're supposed to be acting in a certain way. And then you bump into a friend and, and they say otherwise it's hard um, when you do you don't have that strong sense of yourself or knowledge on what's best that to go oh well maybe I should be acting this way or maybe I shouldn't have done this or maybe it wasn't what was best so again I would say okay that that's okay that's totally normal and typical to be swayed by what other people say however try to bring it back to yourself and what you really think um, okay they have that opinion but do I think I'm not upset enough? Am I processing this okay? Am I doing what's best? Checking in with yourself um, versus being so focused on what other people are saying about it. And that checking in with yourself is something I learned, I think, just through experience. I would say that I didn't have that evolved sense of self for most of my life until I had no choice in my marriage to kind of, you know, realize that I had like one life to live and had to take control and stop living for everybody else. Um, But the anxiety that brought about, you know, I still remember it came in waves and eventually I was able to shed, you know, there were so many different things to be anxious about, but I remember feeling like I was able to shed the weight of everyone else's opinions and, and really take on the attitude of like, well, whatever, I just have to keep moving forward with 
what's best for me. You know, I wasn't living anybody else's life. It did cost me friendships, you know, at a very unhappy ex-husband at the time, you know, so it did cost me a lot, but it was really powerful to learn that, you know, and I know that this is something you can speak to. What happens if someone else is upset with you? Literally nothing. <laughs> nothing. And no, my clients hate to hear this too, but these types of things could be opportunities for growth. These really tough decisions, these really tough, um, you know, situations like deciding to leave a marriage, especially if you're a pleaser, you had to find out in the hard way that people could be upset with you and you'll still live. You can still keep your life together. You can still move forward and you can learn how to make decisions for yourself that might upset the people in your life. Um, if you're so anxious about that and so stuck in that in that area, um, again, like you said, you you're not going to live, you know, the life you want. Your one life, you're not going to find the happiness for you. You're just going to be living to make everyone else in your life satisfied with your choices. So, if you do decide to leave um, a relationship and you are getting that backlash and you are anxious, it's totally normal. However, maybe trying to see this as an opportunity for growth, as an opportunity to learn how to get through and manage your anxiety when people are upset with you so that the next time you have to make a decision that you think is best for you, it won't be as difficult. You'll know that you can get through it and you'll, you'll survive. Right. And I think also being able to do that, you're also showing your kids, if there are kids in the situation, you know, that you can be resilient, that someone cannot agree with you and you can still get by in life. Because for me, my driving force is for my daughter to end up so much better than I was. I was a people pleaser. I was always anxious. There was nothing done to address my anxiety. I, you know, cared too much what people think. And I never want that for her. So I feel, you know, I can lay my head down on the pillow at night knowing that that's a, a lesson that I taught her. And life goes on. You know, it's like when a celebrity is in the tabloids for doing something salacious, the next story comes out and everybody forgets. Okay. So I want to talk about the waves of anxiety. There's like this, I once wrote an article about the phases of getting separated slash divorced. There is like the first stage is like this excited anxiety, like this anxious, anxious energy, like, oh my God, like you're kind of in the twilight zone. Like I did it. I'm free. I'm going to be single and I'm going to do all these things. And you're vibrating with anxiety that hasn't bogged you down yet. Right. You're like going, 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 going. And then you hit a wall. And then the second phase hits like, oh my God, I'm alone. And then you start to panic. Then it's like a panicked anxiety. And that lasts until you realize, okay, I can survive alone. And then it's, it kind of ends in like this angry phase. And it's just this anxiety that comes anytime you hear from your ex-spouse or the person you're co-parenting with. And I feel like there's different levels of it. And through each phase, I've had to learn a way to manage it. And I truly credit therapy for that. But for someone who isn't in therapy, how would you advise somebody who's going through these different phases to sort of separate their emotions, you know, take a look at what's real, take a step back and just keep moving forward in a healthy way. You make a good point with that. There is waves and everybody's process is different. Um, Especially if you're the one that was the deciding force or you felt you wanted to, or the other person that is 
ending a relationship, but they didn't feel like it was their choice. So everyone might have different experiences with the anxiety they feel, but say you're the one that that's leaving the relationship. I think that falls in line with more of that process you're describing. Um, they might get, you know, when, when we're anxious, sometimes um, that anxiety pushes us to make choices and to move and it gives us more energy and we're more alert and we're like, we can do this and, you know, that's it. And you know, for hundred percent it's done and you go on. But then as time goes on, your the anxiety kind of decreases and you realize, oh, wow, you know, this really is a big change. I'm going to be alone now. I might have to, um, we might have to separate our things. You know, there's a lot more that, that goes into a separation, whether you're married, not married, have kids. Um, so I think the reality of it sets in um, that it's, yeah, maybe the relationship's over. Maybe that was the best thing for you. However, it's not going to be all positive. There's going to be negatives to it as well. You might have to co-parent. You might still have to deal with certain things. You might have to realize the fact that you aren't in a relationship anymore. You might have to go back in the dating world. You know, there's all kinds of anxiety that comes along with that. And I think something that's probably the most helpful when dealing with anxiety is, again, making it okay that it's there, recognizing it. I love that. Um, And yeah, that this is a big change in your life. It's okay to be anxious. Don't try to get rid of the anxiety, but also don't try to make decisions based off of it. Very, very good point. Yes. Because sometimes you might leave a relationship because of anxiety and it might not be the best things. Sometimes it does help you to make the choice that you need to make. So trying to really be thoughtful about it, don't, especially when it comes to co-parenting or, you know, dividing goods, trying again, not to base decisions when you're super anxious, try to first find ways to calm yourself, relax, you know, your anxious feelings, knowing that they're okay to be there, but not make any major decisions through that. But it's um, so important that you're saying that, as, especially as it applies to co-parenting, because, you know, then the anxiety sets in with co-parenting, like, well, I'm not going to know what my child is doing. And what if you're not putting her to bed the way she likes to be put to bed? Or what if you're not sticking to our routine? And all those anxieties will inevitably consume you and destroy your co-parenting relationship because you, you know... Yes, there's a lack of control and it's troubling, especially if you're type A like myself and you have to step back and give up that control a little bit. You have to, I, I have felt in to manage my anxiety throughout the whole co-parenting thing is when I start to feel like I'm going to have a nervous breakdown because she's out of my care and something's going on that I can't attend to, what's best for her will always be what's best for all of us. And I have to remind myself and I remind all the people who reach out to me that as long as you're doing what's best for your kid, you're going to quiet your own anxiety. You always have to take a step back and see, you know, is this worry because I don't have control or is this worry because something's really wrong? Right. And we tend to, when we're anxious, like exaggerate things, dramatize them, like Oh, if my ex isn't putting them to bed the right way, reading them a book, they're going to be destroyed for life. You know, if they don't have the exact same schedule that I have, uh, my child's going to be a disaster, you know. So really trying to say, okay, this is my anxiety right now. Um, I only really have control over what happens in my household. Is there a real threat, a real danger? Because anxiety is really us um, being alerted that there's a threat 
And we sometimes react to that when there isn't a real threat. Um, So assessing if there is or isn't a real threat and what that means. And then, like you said, understanding that, okay, I am anxious about this right now, but what can I really do about it? What's the best thing for my child? Yeah. And, and knowing your triggers too, like I know what's going to trigger my anxiety. Like, frankly, if I see an email or a text come in from my ex and he's not currently with our child, I'm already thinking like, oh my God, how is this going to throw my day into a tizzy? And it's learning to like find ways to cope. Like I, you know, I like what you said about honoring the anxiety, knowing that it's there. Like I know it's there and I know what's going to flare it up, right? Like when you eat too much sugar and you wake up the next day with a headache, like you know what's going to flare it up. And so I kind of, I'll take a deep breath and I literally have to talk myself through it. Like, okay, whatever this is, like does not change your day, does not change the situation at hand, does not hurt anybody, just take it for what it is. And I have found that kind of talking myself through every situation has been helpful. Even if it sounds crazy, it's actually a really helpful practice for me. Well, and that's well said. That's called self-soothing, which is very important. And it seems like, see, you're taking on the self-awareness piece and understanding your triggers. You're not saying, my my um, ex did this, so therefore I'm angry now and I'm going to do all kinds of things. You're saying, okay, my ex triggered me. I'm going to self-soothe through that and then see the best way to respond, which again, are we probably left anyone left relationship for a reason, right? (laughs) That person obviously triggers and you're not in that relationship and you probably would prefer not to deal with them, but you still have to deal. So honoring what it is that actually bothered you about this person, the relationship and understanding there's not much you can do about that other person. However, you can learn to understand what triggers you and then self-soothe through that and manage through those storms and come out, you know, with a better response, especially for your child, which will teach your child because your child's going to have to deal with people in life that they don't want to deal with that triggered them. And I think that's the best kind of tool you could teach them instead of blaming other people or totally trying to cut off or avoid them. How can you manage yourself? and soothe through that and then still be able to respond um, in a way that's thoughtful and helps you make decisions that are better for you and your family instead of destructive ones, which destructive ones usually occur when you're making decisions when you're anxious. Right. And that's one of the best lessons I've learned in the last three years is to really take a step back, take a deep breath. And I... I will be the first to say that in my life, I've been impulsive and have made impulsive decisions. And this is the first time in my life that I'm not. And it really makes all the difference. You don't have to fight every battle. You don't have to win every war. You know, you can ignore and just let things go away. Like you have so many options and to just react. Back to the children, you said something about anxiety and and your children learning to deal with different people. It is a a fact that kids of divorce going through co-parenting, especially ones who start at a younger age, do have a higher rate for becoming anxious or showing anxiety earlier on. I tend to not think this is a bad thing at this point in life because frankly, who isn't anxious? Um, But what are some signs you can look for in your child if they are exhibiting true anxiety? Um, if they're very reactive, which again, it could be age related, but, um, if you notice that they're maybe 
more reactive and more have more tantrums than you know you would say the typical child um if maybe they're exhibiting kind of ocd symptoms where they're very particular about things being in you know a certain order um another thing would be if they you know some kids will have different behaviors of maybe pulling out some of their hair you know their eyebrows um they might like have some kind of ritualistic um behavior so those would be some signs that would tell you okay my kids if they're withdrawn very like more more withdrawn than you would say like another it's hard to say cuz every child is different um but if you're noticing that compared to maybe some of her friends her age or whatever it might be a little bit more i think parents might going through a divorce might be hyper vigilant <laughs> and might from their own anxiety exaggerate these things because they're like oh i'm messing up my child because of divorce and they're exhibiting these symptoms <laughs> right that's how so we all I, feel all the time yeah so it might be typical for that age group to have many tantrums but you're like oh my gosh they're anxious because of everything going on they need therapy and then the more anxious the parent gets and hyper focused on the child the more anxious the child gets So um that's why I would be very careful with that. I would just observe without trying to put our your own anxious anxiety onto the child and then you can always ask around, see how other kids are, but I would I think if you're nervous about your child's anxiety, I would again focus more on um yourself and how anxious you are and managing that um versus um trying to see if if how much you know this divorce has screwed up your child and made them anxious and things like that because i think that might contribute to it more and i think a lot of us perceive um you know a lot of moms who reach out to me will say you know my child has a breakdown every time he has to leave he or she has to leave my house um is this anxiety what is this and you know we talk about separation anxiety in all kids not just children of divorce when is that separation is just like i don't want to leave my mommy and really you know something to look into well so even adults we don't like change and actually a marker of someone's maturity or how much they can manage their anxiety is their ability to adapt to change So a child now whether it's divorce or moving or a new kid or a new school they're going to exhibit behaviors they don't have the communication skills they don't have the maturity. So even if you know a divorce is a change moving different houses and um it's an adjustment. So of course they're going to rebel in a certain way if you want to call it rebel or they're going to have you know tantrums is their way of communicating or what or withdrawing whatever is their form. So I would say that again typical and the more the parents can manage their own anxiety around that and um their own guilt or whatever it is around that the better so when say the child's upset doesn't want to go to the other parent's house if the parent could be more you know oh i know that you know validate their feelings i know you like to be a mommy's mommy loves to have you here um, but now it's daddy's turn he has you know he loves to see you too you know trying to be encouraging which i know is rough because it was hard for me um i put my daughter my younger daughter in school and she kept crying the first couple of weeks and and the teacher told me to smile and clap and say i know mommy's going to miss you and i'm like this is it feel natural <laughs> right <laughs> and i was so anxious but instead of trying to manage her anxiety i was like let me manage my anxiety about her going to school 
let me smile. She's safe. You know, again, the threat, real or imagined, your kid's safe. They're going to a safe environment. Uh, hopefully, I know everybody's situation is different. But they're, once they're there, they'll adapt. And this is like a new transition. And knowing that those things are hard and it's okay that they have a tough time. Um, and you have a tough time. And, and, and hopefully over a course of a few weeks, months, you know, every child's different, they'll, they'll be okay. The, after three weeks of school, my daughter today for the first time went to the teacher, said, bye-bye, mama. Oh, Smiled. that's so nice. And, you know, the, after one week, I wanted to give up. I'm like, she's not ready. Yeah. yeah. And no, I can see with parents too, like, oh, let's just give up this whole thing. The kid, you know, but um, I think in a way that could be an opportunity for growth for them to understand that sometimes things change well, and manage through that. I say it every episode and I'll continue to say it every episode that children of divorce, um, especially co-parenting relationships that are healthy and positive end up more resilient, more independent, more able to adapt uh, in different situations than kids of typical homes who, you know, don't have this experience. That's not to say they can't be independent and resilient for other reasons, but this is the one advantage that a healthy co-parenting relationship um, can give a child. So I'm happy you touched on that. So let's go back to the adults. Um, Feelings of anxiety leaving your marriage are obviously normal. Give us like the top three ways to help anybody overcome or try to manage those feelings as they move forward into their new lives. Well, I would say one would be knowing being solid in your choice, um, knowing that that was your choice. Um, and when those anxiety of uncertainty comes in, maybe when you're more thoughtful and clear, writing yourself a note, um, learning, you know, maybe a little speech and, and self-soothing during those really difficult times when you are clear-minded and know what's best. Then I think self-awareness, you know, knowing what does trigger you, not trying to make decisions based off that because that could make the situation worse versus better. Understanding that it is going to be a tough time. It is a transition. Knowing your resources, maybe knowing who in your family, your friends are a resource to you. Yes, Yes, that was so helpful for me. Right, because some people aren't. <laughs> and you yes. know what? Yeah, they just aren't, and some people are. Right, and it's important to know that early on. And also be aware of who is enjoying this miserable moment in your life and who is truly there to help you through it. Right, and then self-care. And I would say um, this could be a time to really evaluate your part no one wants to hear this, but your part that you played in the demise of the relationship um, um, and working on that. Maybe it's unresolved issues from your family in the past. Um, maybe you, if you are a people pleaser, maybe you gave in way too many times um, because what could happen is that if you're not working on yourself during that time and what also makes you anxious and your own behaviors, then you could end up in the same type of relationship again. Oh, you are. This is why I love you because you've said all these things to me in the past, very early on. I don't think you realized it. And also from, I, I read your book. Was It was like right after I separated, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was so helpful for me to say, yeah, I did play a role in this. And my unresolved issues leaked all over this marriage and really, you know, made a mess of it. And so I've been able to, I've spent the last three years working on myself to ensure that these issues don't muck up my new 
you know, relationship, my marriage. And, and I'm, I feel like I'm a better person for it. And I had to learn that lesson. So that is very, very good advice. And I'm sorry if you don't want to hear that you two played a role in this, but you did. And it doesn't mean you're at fault. You know, that's a lot of people say, oh, it's not my fault. It doesn't mean, yeah, it's not your fault. It's just that there were certain things that you might've done that contributed to the issues in the relationship. And if those aren't resolved or at least brought to awareness, then that could happen again in another relationship. And I'm sure that's the last thing somebody wants. People are their patterns. Right, right. (laughs) So knowing that, you know, and that usually comes from, from our history. And I think by becoming aware of that and knowing what makes us anxious and what our behaviors are, can um, also help bring about change. Well, I can't believe 30 minutes are up and I'm really glad you chose to give us your time. We always end the episode with a piece of advice or a quote that you love in relation to everything we just talked about. Um, My one best piece of advice? Yes. I would say even everything, even with your kids and uh, um, with having ads, it's important to focus on yourself focus on your inner experience and you don't have to act on things so quickly. Take time to be thoughtful, take a pause and kind of take this time to get to know you and what's best for you and how you can um, move forward in the most thoughtful way. What's best for you and moving forward in the most thoughtful way. If those things don't go hand in hand, my name is not Michelle (laughs) Dempsey-Moltak. Thank you, Dr. Eileen Cohen. Where can everybody find you and your incredibly and thoughtfully written books? So um, my website is www.dreileen, doctor spelled out, then I-L-E-N-E.com. And my books are on my website or on Amazon when it's never about you and it's within you. And my book on anxiety will probably be out in the next couple of months. Can you give us a little like taste of, of what it's going to be focused on? It's all about anxiety and how anxiety is brought about in our relationships. So, wow. Um, this is a perfect book for it. our readers. Yes. <laughs> I can't wait till it's out. We'll have to have you on again when it is. Um, you heard it here first. Anxiety in this situation is normal. It's all about learning how to manage it and not let it get the best of you. Eileen, thank you so much. Everybody else, thank you for listening and stay strong. Keep moving forward. You've got this. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Moms Moving On. I hope you found today's episode to be helpful, inspiring, and give you the advice you need to feel empowered and strong as you move on. Don't forget to come say hi on Instagram at the Michelle Dempsey and drop us a line if there's a specific topic or subject you'd like us to discuss. Thanks. Stay strong.